The editor-in-chief of the very athletic Bay Area, Tim Kawakami. Tim Kawakami, who has covered the NBA for over two decades. It's time now for the TK Show on Athletic Podcast Network. Hey everybody, Tim Kawakami here, TK Show, recording from the home studio. Very, very glad to have on a long, long, long ago friend. I guess you still are. Who knows? And you definitely were my friend years ago. We'll try to figure out in the meantime. Uh, we uh, have covered the same beat. We have seen each other much over the time. It's Sports Illustrated NBA senior writer Howard Beck. Ho, how you doing these days? TK, how are you? I think the friendship thing just goes on in perpetuity unless <laughs> I have somehow done something to forfeit it or caused you to block the friendship, as it yeah, were. So never, never, I don't th- never. I don't think I've crossed those lines. <laughs> Uh, I've, I've, I've probably taken a, you know, a couple of playful jabs over the years as we've crossed paths here and there, but, um, no, great to be with you again. Thank you. If we've sat down and had creme brulee together as many times as we have, then that's forever. Creme brulee and cold noodles, as you know, are, are, are are the deal here. Uh, I booked this without realizing today was going to be talk about a warrior's trade day. I kind of got into it yesterday, but I'm seeing other national people and, and kind of monitoring the situation. It's not wrong. I mean, you look at the Warriors situation, 0-7 on the road game in Phoenix tonight. We are recording this on Wednesday morning. Uh, could be 0-8. Who knows? Maybe they turn it around. Uh, I think the wise, James Wiseman going down in the G League was a sign for a lot of people, including myself, right when Steve Kerr said it, right before he said it. Howard Beck, uh, you talked to a lot of people around the league. You, you kind of know, you know the mood of what people are thinking about the Warriors. You're watching the Warriors, I'm sure. What's your sense of what's going on there? Oh, man. Um, And you're right, by the way. Like, there is just kind of a swell of Warriors' opinions and uh, regarding Weissman, regarding all the young guys, regarding trades, regarding everything right now. And that's, you know, look, part of that is just what we do in this business. Um, and it's not just us in, you know, the, the chattering classes of the media. Uh, it's, you know, executives too around yeah. the league. Of course, everybody's got an eye on them. And when a, a defending champion starts at six and eight, by the way, you guys are probably tracking this. I don't know. When's the last time a defending champion without blowing it up started a season this poorly? I, I don't even know what the, 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 you know, it's so funky the last few years. It's hard to get, you know, there's been the Lakers were not great the year after they won. So True. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean, it just, it just feels like that isn't a big number. Now they get a lot worse than I'll start looking at it, but yeah, it just it's feels like there's, there's, yeah, it's been more ups and downs over the last few years. And, you so, know, bulls after Jordan left, I'm sure we're not right, here. But, I, but I mean a non-blow-up scenario, right? Yeah, okay, like, yeah, that yeah. was, you know, that thing was over. They tore it down. Um, LeBron leaves the Heat in 2014. Yeah. Different kind of factor. This is where, you know, they, they kept together the main principles of the championship. And they're just in a ditch. And, and it's, you know, look, six and eight is not, that's not unrecoverable. Uh, I, I'm still in the camp of people who think they'll be fine. But to your point, uh uh, Kevin O'Connor at the Ringer was writing about where things are t- today. Um, and I saw like Nikias Duncan wrote a few days ago about Weissman should be traded for the good of, of both sides because he's better off developing somewhere else and the Warriors are better off getting whatever they can for him because they need veterans. Um, I have my own thoughts about all that, which we can get into. I think the league is still kind of in a wait and see mode. I don't, you know, like, I don't get the sense that people around the league are ready to bury the Warriors um, or that anybody is anticipating that a, um, a massive retooling is 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 imminent, and when, and when I say massive retooling, I don't mean that we're going to see you know 
any anything broken up in terms of the core or the starting group. But yeah, that bench group, the whole you know dual track two timeline uh, model, like that thing's in danger right now. Like like there's no two ways about it. And you know that organization as as well or better than anyone, Tim. And you've always got a pulse on them. This has to be the first time since they went down this road that they really have to start to question it. Um, and I know they've questioned along the way too, right? Obviously there have been, I'm sure some very um, spirited <laughs> internal debates amongst them over the last two years, really. And look, I was one who, who firmly believed, and I've been, I'm, I'm consistent about this as kind of a general philosophy. Um, and I always say this about LeBron. So I'll apply to LeBron first and then we'll, we'll move this to Steph. I believed in 2000, what was that, 17, 18? Was that the final year of, of LeBron in Cleveland? The I second time? Yep, yep. I, I, I thought they were absolutely wrong for holding on to what they thought was the golden ticket, which was the Nets' unprotected lottery pick, which ended up being eighth, which ended up being Colin Sexton, who was fine. But my feeling was no matter where that falls in the lottery, that is your last chip to try to cash in to maximize a season of LeBron. And even then, this is you know four years ago, I thought... Do not ever waste a season of LeBron James's career. Don't even take chances with a player of his caliber, not knowing what tomorrow might bring with his age, his health, or in that case, his free agency. And of course, they wanted to plan for a post-LeBron future, which has a vague, vague, vague kind of analogy to what the Warriors are going through now. In their, the Warriors case, they're trying to, to create this bridge to the next era with multiple guys. But it's a little similar. And I thought the same thing. So it, as the Warriors were... Going through it the last couple of years, I thought before the Weissman pick, maybe you should trade that pick. When they got Weissman, maybe you should trade Weissman. When they got, uh, before they traded or before they acquired or before they drafted Kuminga and Moody, I thought maybe you should be moving those picks. Then they drafted those guys. And I still thought, well, maybe you should move the, hmm. like I've always been in the, of the position that you do everything possible to get the guys who can help right now because Steph is in his early 30s and now mid 30s. And when they won it all last June, I went, I, okay, maybe you're going to thread this needle. Maybe you can have it all. Maybe you can have the present and the future. And I think over the summer, as they let some veterans walk and they said, we're turning it over to the young guys and this is going to be our, our new core second unit. I think we'd all seen enough from them that you thought, well, that, that's, that's plausible. But right now, 14 games in, it doesn't feel like it. And so the questions are natural. And I think... You know, I'm going to fall back on on my initial instincts on this, which is don't 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 mess around. <laughs> Steph's playing like an MVP. Don't mess around. You get yeah. him the, the help he needs right now. You could afford to do this thought experiment for a little while, and maybe you've still got another few weeks left of this thought experiment or this this actual real life experiment where it's we want to we want to plan for the th- the present and the future simultaneously. It's possible we have reached the breaking point of that. And at some point, whether it's Steph saying it or his representatives, whether it's Draymond saying it, whether it's Steve Kerr saying it, whether it's Bob Meyer saying it to Joe Lacob, at some point, there's going to be a reckoning where if they don't turn it around soon, they're going to say, you know what? It was a nice idea, but we can't leave championships on the table during Steph's career. Well, you know, they don't have to blow up the whole thing, right? I mean, no. that, that's a point. That, that's where I'm kind of, I mean, I understand, believe me, I understand the national people, Wayne, and it makes sense. It is the logical thing to think about what's going on here. But you don't have to say the whole two-timeline thing is now over. You can say parts of it could be siphoned off. They did win the championship 
not too long ago. It feels like it was like three days ago in Boston when they won that championship. Steph is playing at a higher level, not a higher than he played in game four, but at a higher level than he played last season. All these things are understood. Uh, I think on the, you know, on the ground here, I th- the thinking is you don't have to trash at all. You're just probably looking at trade and Wiseman. I, Wiseman or Kaminga could be your guy in the future. I think they both could still, I'm not super down on Wiseman's career. I just don't think he fits with Steph Curry and that is a problem. And what is, so what's James Wiseman's market? Well, we tell, when they start thinking, okay, here's what we could do. What can you get for him? That's a, it's a great question. I have not, I'll be honest, I haven't really asked around. So I have not specifically asked scouts or GMs late recently, like what would, if they put Weissman out there right now, what could you get for him? Um, but I'll, a, a couple of things on, on Weissman real quick. So I did like, you know, a big feature on him that ran a few weeks back or first week of the season. Um, I had spent time with him at summer league, um, which, you know, was planning toward this like preseason type feature, um, then came out, saw you actually in, in the preseason when I was kind of just finishing off some reporting on that. And the thing with Weissman is, and you've noted this in your most recent piece, and I keep stressing this to people, the guy's played 50 games. Yep. He's, I, I said to him at one point in the preseason when I came back out there to, to finish off the reporting for the feature that I wrote, I said to him at one point, you know, you're basically a rookie. And he he... For a moment, I thought I might have offended him because the way he and, and you know he's a kind of a quiet kid. He's soft spoken, and um and and I, I I tried to make it sure I was I was clear. Like I don't mean this as like a, a, you know it wasn't like to to uh, <laughs> give him you know downgrade him at, at all. It's like literally, literally he has not played eighty two games at the NBA level and not even close to eighty two yet. And yet people keep judging him like well he's a third year player. No, he's a virtual rookie. And 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 a guy who only played, of course, three games in college too. I do think that to the extent that people are quick to judge, people are quick to, to use the bust label and all this other stuff, they need to back off and remember that this is a, a young kid who is still growing into his game and adjusting to the NBA and who has not played a full 82 game season. And that patience is warranted. And 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 I would stress it over and over and over. That said. I don't know that the Warriors are the team that can afford to give him all of that patience and latitude because they need to win now. So the G League move is the right move. Doing everything possible to try to to, to accelerate him right now is the right thing. And if at the end of all of that, it just means that you've upped his value, to get back to your question, in trade, that's fine too. Because he may have a fabulous career somewhere else on somebody else's timeline. But the Warriors timeline may just not be able to accommodate James Weissman's timeline. And you and I have seen plenty of these cases, right? Whether it's like a Kyle Lowry or a Jimmy Butler. And usually those guys are later first round picks. But guys who don't blossom sometimes until they're 24, 25, 27. Pascal Siakam looked like he was blossoming in that championship against the Warriors, then kind of hits the skids for a little bit there. And now at age 27, 28, suddenly is now looking like an all-NBA player. Like none of this shit's linear. And James Wiseman may blossom into an all-star modern center who can shoot threes and guard the rim and guard on the perimeter and do all these great things with his incredible athleticism and length. It just may not happen for the Warriors. So what could they get? I I think there are teams that probably still see him through the prism of, of, uh, of the draft prospect they saw a few years ago. It's not like the Warriors made some massive reach to take him number two. Plenty of teams would have. And I I think you can get, you could get multiple good players. Um, 
Like, I think that's possible. I mean, I think you threw out in your column, I think you said something about, you know, like Jakob Pertle, like obviously that's not enough of a payoff, but could you get Pertle and and some protected, a protected pick or something? Like, can you, I, like, I, I don't know how to judge or value a player who's got as short of a resume as he does. And I think that'll be the difficulty for the league too, as they try to evaluate what to give up for him. And here's the other thing. And, and, and it's another weird valuation is I think the Warriors might just want to get off his contract. Because uh, they picked up his his option and it's twelve point one, and you know what that means times the luxury tax, and yeah. you know that that might be like teams are like you just want to get off the salary at this point, like that that becomes another thing because he has a value, he could be good, he's twenty one years old, but also he is a massive problem for the Warriors financially next season if they're even thinking about keeping Draymond and Poole and Wiggins and all the things that we know that would crush their, their payroll. I saw somebody, again, I'm not going to criticize. I understand like you could trade Clay Thompson. I don't think he's tradable. I don't think you'd have to give up so much attached with him that you're not getting anything back. And you're still hoping that he could be the guy who helped him, frankly, in the finals, uh, who helped them, you know, maybe limping on, on a leg and a half last season. Um, there's all these financial issues. I'll ask you, Jimmy, again, as someone who's watching, maybe not from the ground, but you've, you've seen, you know him, you've seen him, you watch the playoffs. What, what are your thoughts on Jordan Poole's value? I mean, you got, you got a Tyler Hero contract that comes in at $30 million a year. That's what forces the Warriors to play to pay Jordan Poole just a little bit more. Maybe both those contracts are not going to be great. Maybe down the road they will be. I kind of see them as parallel guys. I mean, do, do you see yeah. Poole's value at, at Tyler Hero? Should it be more than Tyler Hero? Or do they both just get outsized contracts that kind of screwed up both teams? I, I think it's they both, you know, it, there's this quandary for NBA teams and the Warriors and the Heat both faced this. Um, and especially, and they're parallel in this sense too. When you're perennially a very good team that's going to draft low in the first round, as the Heat are, as the Warriors are, the Warriors had the weird benefit of struggling just long enough <laughs> to pick up a few high picks, but still had the core of a group that they knew could catapult them back to the top of the standings. The Heat are drafting low. The Warriors are now back to drafting low. It's hard to find good young players. And when you do get one who is under you know, your contractual control for the first few years, and then it's your decision on whether or not to extend them and for how much, it's hard when you've developed them or they've developed on your watch not to make the investment, especially when they've shown flashes of, of all-star talent. And you know, Hero having had an incredible run in the bubble and, and Jordan Poole having had now this incredible run last season and, and providing some really key moments in, in a championship run. How do you not reward that for a young guy, especially when you're a veteran-laden team that's getting old? Um, there's only so many ways to get, you know, really high-level young talent. And so there's a little bit of a roll of the dice. There's a little bit of... of everybody overpays now, right? Like, every, there's there are, like... Seven, 10, 12 contracts maybe in the NBA. Let's say 20 that are where guys are not overpaid. Let's just say 20. <laughs> um, and then there's, I don't know, any given time, 100 guys on minimum contracts maybe. Something. I'm just, I'm just making up numbers off the top of my head. Probably 200 to 300 players at any given time are probably at least a little bit overpaid based on their actual production. The guys who do the analytics, who can actually go dollar per whatever you know, that you're getting out of it per win share or something. A lot of guys are overpaid because you're paying on speculation. You're paying on protecting yourself against a guy leaving. You're paying on the hope of what they may become. You're paying to reward past performance, which is what they now have in Clay Thompson's case and in Draymond's case. That's just reality. So I don't spend a lot of time normally talking about, is a guy overpaid? 
you do what you got, you do what you have to do to keep the guy and to keep him happy and to, and you hope you're rewarded with, with the same trajectory of development in a case like Jordan Poole or Tyler Hero. And then the other thing there too, is just like for the Warriors in particular, right? Like Jordan Poole really started to show some, some signs of, of being special, fits well with this group, can help them now and is part of that presumed bridge to the future. Like, I, plus, and then on top of all that, as I stop rambling, um, is we know the cap's going up. So new TV deal is going to come in. Mm-hmm. Cap's going to go up. Both teams are, I'm certain, looking at it to an extent of like, well, looks a little high right now, but it'll look better under a new salary cap. Yeah, and in three years, you probably can trade both of them, right? I mean, yeah. not even three years, two years, one year. Well, I mean, and that's the other thing, young. too. Yeah, they're both young. You, you, you and I, when you and I were on the Laker beat together way back in the day, uh, late 90s, early 2000s, back then, w- there was always these, these albatross contracts because contracts ran six years for uh, some free agents, seven years for your own bird free agents, and then seven and six became six and five, and six and five became five and four. So even the quote-unquote overpays you're, you can always get out from under them within a couple of years because a four-year deal two years later <laughs> only has a couple of years left and somebody's willing to take it on. Like it's not, none of these are unrecoverable. Yeah. All right. Let's, we talked a lot about the Warriors. Uh, it's the, the, the topic today I didn't even realize, but it's good. Juicy stuff on Warriors. But let's talk a little about the Nets, a team that you're, you're in the heartland of Brooklyn. You're right there. Uh, obviously, the Kyrie Irving thing is uh, continues to be a mess. This what now eight games? I think he's been out. Whatever, it's going to be nine. What something like that? He's not on this road trip. Don't know when he's going to be back. Howard Beck is. It, I mean, a little talk show question here, but is there a chance he does not play for the Nets again? I think there's a chance. Yeah, I think the longer this goes on, the the more that feels like a real possibility. Um, I did a story that ran, was it last week? Again, you know, blow time it has up, no, right? You said blow it up. Time has no meaning. And I'm not a blow it up guy. You know me. You've known me a long time. I'm not a hot take guy. I'm not a, a you know, rush to the blow it up um, column or even opinion a couple weeks into a season. But the reason is because it's not about whether they're struggling right now. And they have certainly, you know, had a lot of struggles early in the season. And getting crushed by the Kings last night uh, doesn't, doesn't help that. But it's more about Kyrie's already done. Like, he may come back this season. He may come back and play for the Nets. But they're not re-signing him. He's a free agent next summer. They barely committed to bringing him back in the first place and weren't sure they wanted to. So Kyrie's already gone. Whether that's on July 1st or whether that's in a trade or whether it's because you've banished him or you've cut him or whatever, his, his time as a net is coming to an end. Sometime in the next... November, uh, let's see, quick math, uh, next seven months, eight months, at the latest. So what is where does that leave you? With a Ben Simmons who is mostly a shadow of himself, and maybe he still gets back to, to where he was, but at the moment does not look like an all-star by any stretch. Talk about a hard contract to digest, but go on. Yeah, that one's tough. That one's If, if there's still an Albatross contract <laughs> in the NBA, that one may be it. Um and then you've got Kevin Durant. Well, back to my back to my original premise about like if you've got a LeBron James or a Steph Curry or a Kevin Durant at this stage of their career, I uh, maybe don't waste it. And in this case, because the Nets, I don't think can can rebuild on the fly to help him. Best bet for everybody is to move Kevin Durant and get what you can for him. So that's why I went to the blow it up card because I don't think there's any scenario where this team is still together next season, and I don't think there's much of a scenario where the Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons group 
makes a deep playoff run this season. So then what are you doing? What are you like, you know, with the Warriors, we were talking about trying to maximize the present and the future simultaneously with the Nets. It's like, well, there is no, there is no present. The present's already dead. Like you're a first round and out team, probably maybe second round if everything breaks right and Kevin Durant stays healthy. And then what? Kyrie Irving's going to walk and is Kevin Durant going to want to stay with this roster? Do you have any means to improve this roster meaningfully to give Kevin Durant a chance to win the championship next season? I don't I don't see it. And when I was reporting on that story, you know, I was I always try to vet this kind of thing with other people around the league and executives around the league pretty much agreed like, yeah, I don't I don't see how they get out of this either or what the point of keeping it together is. So, I think that's where things stand. Does Kyrie play for them again? That's I, I'll say this. I think that's up to Kyrie. I think it is, you know, you don't want to make too many assumptions, Tim, but we saw the reports about what the requirements were for Kyrie Irving to return in good standing to the Nets. And I think it's safe to say that if he's not back yet, it means he hasn't fulfilled them all. And if he hasn't fulfilled them all, these aren't difficult things to fulfill, by the way. I know people <laughs> are making nice sound like human, this. Be a, don't be a terrible human being, essentially. Right. Five-step plan. Uh, yeah. Uh, apologize. Make a contribution that you had already agreed to anyway. Um, do some sensitivity training. Like, this isn't hard. This isn't th- – like, th- this is not difficult at all. People who are cre- making this sound like some big onerous thing that they're doing to him, these are not difficult things, and I don't think th- – I don't, I, don't, I don't see how they're unreasonable either, given the gravity of that film that he tweeted out and given the way he then doubled and tripled down on his actions. So if he's not back yet, it means he probably hasn't fulfilled those requirements. And I, I think that's kind of on him. So if he does all that, they have no grounds to keep him away unless they just want to pay him to not play, which, look, we've seen plenty of examples of that in recent years for a variety of reasons. Um it's very strange. I, I can't imagine this goes on much longer. I'll say that. Like this thing, some clarity needs to come to this pretty soon for the sake of of the Nets, for certainly for the sake of Kyrie Irving. I mean, I don't, regardless of how I might feel about um, everything that's happened the last couple of weeks, I mean, I don't, I don't think Kyrie Irving deserves to have his, his career ended over this or, or uh, be suspended in, indefinitely. But um, yeah, they, they need to figure out a way for, for everybody to move on. And that should come, I would think, sooner than later. He can go to the Lakers, which brings me to my next topic. Obviously, Howard and I cover the Lakers at a very interesting time. Well, you covered them longer than I did, but I covered them for a really interesting two or three year span there. Um, is this going to happen with LeBron still on the team? Or is, I mean, we're talking about that's, I, they can't blow that up. I don't think, you know, they can't trade LeBron right now after giving the big contract, but he might want out at some point. Well, what is the end game for Jeannie Buss? For just that whole Darvin Ham, for Rob Palinka, for LeBron, for Clutch, you know, Clutch seemed to have aligned itself to, you know, to get, put its forces behind that, and now that might not be working. We're, who pushes the button to blow it up, and how does that all happen? Who or do they win the championship this yeah. year? Because as I, I imagine, that some people still think they can. <laughs> uh, they cannot. <laughs> <laughs> They're only two and ten. Anytime now, they can. <laughs> they, it up. they cannot. Um, they cannot even make the playoffs. Um, then maybe they will, but th- that seems like a stretch. Uh, so it's it's interesting. So you and I covered that that team during the Shaq and Kobe era, and the one thing that I left LA with when I left in two thousand four that I've always kind of kept in mind. I've always remembered, and, and to this day, like it's very very clear. There is such a thing as Lakers exceptionalism. And it's not just the fact that they expect to be in the finals or winning a championship every year and that everything else, anything less than that is uh, is, is considered, you know, a failure. 
it's more than that. It's 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 an expectation that we will always be great. It's an expectation that stars will always come. That it's a lot of yeah, that last one for sure. Obviously. Yeah. yeah. And 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 it's an expectation that we will get the stars and those stars will win because they always have. And, you know, we've now seen various versions of, of, of super teams that just have not worked out. Right. Like we just talked about the Nets, like. They thought they they were they were good to go a few years ago when they got Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving together and then got James Harden and then that didn't work out and they flipped Harden for Simmons. Well, it's, it's been a disaster. The Clippers thought they, you know, had it made when they got Paul George and Kawhi Leonard together. The Lakers, and they were chasing Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. They've chased any number of guys. Um, I think in concert with all that I just said, there's also this tendency to just simply hold on, Right. Nostalgia is a really uh, dangerous thing in this league. And again, I was thinking about this with regard to to the Warriors, right? How much is nostalgia going to creep in when it's like, ooh, when do you, how do you know when it's time to say, like, forget. Don't mention number 30. Do not mention number 30. No, I don't, not even him. No, no, I don't even, I don't even mean, mean with Steph. I don't that even mean with Steph. That's a third rail. That's a third it's, rail. It's, it's hard enough to, to grapple with what to do about the dual track, dual timeline thing, and say, well, maybe, maybe we, maybe uh, this isn't going to work after all. We've got to, we've got to pivot. It's another thing to say, when is it time to part ways with Draymond Green? When is it time to part ways with Clay Thompson? When is it? When do we have to say that the team that won all those championships and that had all these great feelings, and when you pull one of those threads out or allow one of those threads to just fall out, are you still the same? Even if you got great value back, even if you use that cap room wisely, even if whatever it happens to be. Is it is it the same? Because you've lost some bit of 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 just the magic of it, right? The chemistry, all the, the these intangible things that we talk about in sports all the time. And with the Lakers, the nostalgia factor is you know more recent. We won a championship with LeBron and AD. We are a team that's built on stars, a franchise that has a legacy of stars. We got Russell Westbrook. Damn it, this has to work. This is how it's always worked. And on top of that, of course, you've just got some some individuals running the place who have are heavily invested in those moves. And I think they're just in denial, to be honest. Um, I don't know that a reckoning is going to come with the Lakers because I don't know that there's anybody there. One of the things about the again, the Warriors are just such a great example here. Right. Remember, at the beginning of this whole era, it was all about, well, you know, Bob Myers is running the show, but, you know, you've got this strong front office and all these people and you've got Jerry West is in as a, as a consultant for a while and ownership's really involved and you've just got this healthy debate of a lot of really smart people in the room. I, I don't know that there's anybody in, in the Lakers. It's a very small operation at the core. Who in the room is saying, guys, we fucked up. <laughs> Westbrook was the wrong move. We've got to rectify this. Um, guys, Nobody is saying that. Nobody. LeBron James has has maybe five minutes left, 10 minutes left, 20 minutes left of of being this kind of player. We got to do something. We, we, you know, let's let's admit error and, and, and figure out how to fix it. Who was there anybody in the room in the last year who would say, guys. Should we just at least entertain the possibility of trading Anthony Davis and see what we can get for him? Because. He's never going to be the guy like that. That's that's one of the big bets they made that I, that I can kind of forgive them for is that Anthony Davis. Everybody thought at the time they got him. Well, eventually it'll be like the Kareem and Magic thing where the older star starts to 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 
recede and hands off more of the burden to the younger guy, and that was going to be LeBron to AD. Well, it's it's never happening. It's just never happening. Anthony Davis is not that guy. Yeah, he's he's tailing off as fast as LeBron is. (laughs) (laughs) He's like eight years young. He's like eight years younger. It's amazing. So so so, but where is the reality check? Where is the person or the creative? you know, tension to say, we've got to look at this differently. And so I feel like they're just going to hold on for dear life until the whole raft just sinks below them. Yeah. I mean, I I was going to bring up, we we bring up the Laker thing maybe too much, but there is a uniqueness to that team that if you have not covered them and I covered them a long time ago and you covered them slightly less long time ago, but they're very similar. It's still the same family. It's, it's, it's just amazing you, to, unless you feel it, how small that really that leadership group has always been. It's been like three people in one room. Everyone agree, you know, kind of tries to come up to a consensus. Everyone, you know, tries to please the owner and that's it. Like there isn't, I mean, and there's uh, maybe a lot of teams are like that, but the Lakers are seen as this vast enterprise, obviously, Eight billion dollar, whatever the whatever the value of that franchise is, maybe ten billion dollars they put it up, but it's like three people. It's like three people. That's it. There really isn't a lot of like you know big board meetings or discussions. There aren't like these flow charts that eighteen people look at. It's like four people, three people, whatever. Um, and then whoever gets Genie's ear, right? And then then they go off on a wondering difference. Have you felt that as you've gone around the league, where like? This is just a unique thing, and, and everyone can have an opinion. I'm not saying you can't, but unless you really are in the middle of that. Like, the Warriors people are fascinated like, with the Lakers, so they come to me because they're just interested in, like, Bob Myers from UCLA. They had Jerry West on staff, obviously. Like, they're just interested in that stuff. Um, is there a similar Laker interest from other teams that you've come across, other agents, whatever, All this whole thing that's going on there? Um, everybody's curious about where this goes. I haven't had a lot of people ask about like what the what the heck is the deal there? They operate so so differently than everyone else. There's probably some other teams that maybe are also similarly insular, right? I, I think that's the best word. Is is it's the Lakers? It's always been about the Laker family, and it's not always a literal Laker family thing with the Bus family. It is, you know. It's, it is the Laker family that includes Rob Palenka because he was part of the Laker family by virtue of being Kobe's yep. agent all those yep. years. And it's obviously you know, Kurt and Linda Rambis. And, you know, it was it was Mitch Kupchak for a long time and Jerry West for a long time. And, the, and one of the things I will often point out to people um, is the Lakers for about I – should, I should look this up at some point so I know the exact number of years. But let's say it's 35 years. For about 35 years did not have to have a change in leadership. Jerry Buss was the owner. Jerry West was the GM with Mitch Kupchak as his assistant for however long that lasted. Mitch was Jerry's protege. And when Jerry left the franchise while you and I were covering them, Mitch stepped in and then he continued. So I consider that like one leadership. Jerry to Mitch is one 35 or whatever the number of years is leadership under Jerry Buss and then under Jeannie Buss. They've never actually had to go out and make a hire outside of this this, uh, virtual family that was created back in the late 70s and early 80s until Jeannie fires Mitch and her brother Jim. And then, and where did she go? Laker family, Magic Johnson. Laker family, Rob Palenka. They did not do what I think more progressive and more modern franchises would do in this situation, which is hire one of those headhunting firms or do whatever it takes to, to canvas the league 
for some great smart mind who has no ties to your franchise at all. The Lakers don't do that. Back to the Laker exceptionalism thing. It's always within the family. And again, not a literal family, the the, the broader Laker family. So it, again, not being able to think beyond their their own um this this their their own boundaries the, the, that they've created over over decades um it's a fault it's a problem i think and i think the next time at some point eventually i don't know when it will be at some point it's going to be time to change the front office again and i would hope that the next time they look a little broader and i i don't think rob Polinka's track record championship or no i don't think his track record is very good you know and i think that's clear the rumors have always been there. At some point, they're going to go after Bob Myers, right? That that's been a rumor right. for for several years. I don't know if that's possible to do that, but that's always been the rumor. Anyway, we've talked long enough. I've kept you lo- far too long, Howard Beck. Uh, but I will ask. I will finish this by asking a question that I ask everybody. I've asked you several times. I'll ask a version of this. Probably ask this exact question of you, but you might have a new answer. Howard Beck, what's your favorite restaurant right now? Oh man, this is tough. This is really tough. So. I'm not going to get real fancy. I'm not going to go beyond even my own uh, vicinity here. Um, we had to relocate for a few months earlier this year while our apartment was being renovated. So we were we were in uh, in North Park Slope in, in Brooklyn. And there's this taco place. It's actually not far from Barclays Center. So mm-hmm. anybody who's ever going to a Nets game or if you're doing anything else at Barclays Center, if you're in town, this is an easy walk from Barclays Center. There's this phenomenal taco joint called Midi Midi. And it's not a taco joint like uh, like you and I are used to. And like in, in L.A., there's all those great taco stands, all these like little holes in the wall type places. Um, this is like upscale-ish. Like you could get like a lobster taco or a shrimp taco, a fish taco, uh, every version, everything you could possibly think of. Their guacamole is great. Their drinks are fantastic. Um, nothing fancy, just your usual overpriced, you know, uh, <laughs> Brooklyn hip, fare. Hip, but Park, Midi slow. Midi. Midi, me not Archbishop Midi. No, uh, <laughs> no, I think M I T I M I T I, not not M I T T Y. But sh- yeah, shout out to San Jose. Thank you for uh, for that. That's a quick uh, little, a quick little, uh, quiet little <laughs> shout out there. All right, Hellbeck, Uh As always, appreciate the conversation. Thank you so much for coming on. We could have talked so many other teams, but there's a couple teams that are really interesting right now. So thanks for this for doing this. Great to see you. Thanks for having me, everybody. Show for today. Thanks. <laughs>